Hey, good morning. It's a joy to be with you here on Wednesday morning, September the uh, 16th. Uh, remember uh, those who are in Florida, Alabama, uh, who are recovering and going through hurricane crisis. And we know that's an uh, um, annual thing they have to deal with, but we don't want to forget them because uh, we have a lot of brothers and sisters in Florida that uh, we're praying for. And uh, so if you're in Florida right now, know that we're praying for you and we're, watch- and we're watching over you in prayer. We haven't forgotten you, asking God to have mercy and, and be with you. Amen? In the fires, yep. Yep, the fires out west. Thank you, Betty. So we are going to continue our study of John chapter 20, which uh, is the Apostle John's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's a very different account than the others, but I'm so glad it's different because it just gives us uh, such a, a zoomed-in account of a, of a few different things. And that's, and that's what uh, this, this Scripture is. In chapter 20 of the Gospel of John, verses 11 through 18. Because as, uh, as, as Mark states in his Gospel, in verse 9 of chapter 16, Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene. And that's all John says. <laughs> you know. And then uh, there's some other references about women being at the tomb and stuff, but... But John or Mark specifically says that Jesus first appeared to Mary Magdalene, and the Gospel of John actually gives us a sort of a zoomed-in account of how that meeting took place. And so I'm going to read verses 11 to 18 real quick out of uh, John chapter 20, and then we'll go back and we'll do verse by verse and uh, and just see, uh, kind of pick out some nuggets here that uh, I feel like the Lord was was uh, revealing as, as I studied. So let's read uh, verses 11 to 18. Chapter 20. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and saw two angels sitting in white, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why do you weep? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why do you weep? Whom do you seek? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things unto her. What a wonderful little snippet that John gives us here to just see what it was like to meet Jesus in His resurrected 
himself for the first time. What an amazing experience that Mary Magdalene must have had. So let's look at it. As we were, as we were studying with uh, my good friend Betty McKinney yesterday, Peter and John had just uh, run to the tomb and they saw that Jesus was gone and they go away. And, you know, most likely they outran Mary. Right? So if you're, if you're tracking the progression here, okay, Peter takes off. John runs faster than Peter. But then Mary is back here. Most likely can't run nearly as fast as those guys. Okay? So John gets there, then Peter, and then as they're kind of sort of in their confused state, Mary comes up and they take off leaving Mary at the tomb. (laughs) Poor Mary, you know? Oh, my goodness. Of course, you know, those two guys are in shock too. You know, everybody's in just total shock. You know, and so that's the state of Mary in verse 11. Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. Now, the weeping here, okay, the Greek word really refers to just deep, loud crying, deep, sorrowful pain. If you've ever, if you've ever lost uh, a dear loved one, if you've ever ministered or been with somebody who's lost a loved one, you know what I'm talking about. It's not just any old crying, you know. It's uh, it's very deep, sorrowful crying. And that's the state of Mary. She's in shock, total confusion. The man who totally changed her life and released her from seven demons and total, it just was, the, I mean, imagine the torment that she experienced in her mind and her spirit and that Jesus set her free and now he's gone. And she just doesn't know what to do. That, I mean, that is the, that, that is the first Response when you lose somebody close to you is you just feel this sense of I don't even know what to do. I, I I can't make decisions. I can't think straight. I'm I'm totally incapable of functioning, and that's the state of shock. I I learned that I learned that from a book in seminary. <laughs> I learned that from some life experience too. But uh, but that's the first stage, and then you get to denial. But we're not there yet. Mary doesn't have to go to denial, thankfully. Amen. Well, so Mary is weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down. Now, why did she stoop? Well, the 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 opening that would have been hewn out of the rock, it would not have been a full length of a person. Okay, it would have been a little smaller. You know, so she would kind of have. It says that Peter and John had to stoop too. You had to kind of go down and look in. Okay? So she's outside crying, and then she just kind of, you know, and her, her, you have to remember her eyes are full of tears. You ever seen somebody who's been weeping a lot? You know, their eyes are really puffy, swollen, you know, and you can't see well, and she's in shock. So she stoops down and she looks in, the, in there and saw two angels in white, Sitting. The one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Now, wait a minute. Peter and John were just there. And they didn't, they didn't see any angels. Right? They didn't get to see the angels. They saw the wrappings laying there. And now, just a few moments later, nobody had walked in <laughs> the tomb. Right? 
Nobody had walked past Barry and what other, any other women that were there. But suddenly there's two angels there. Now, most likely Mary at the time did, did not perceive that they were angels because of her state of shock and just, I mean, she didn't even recognize Jesus. You know, so it, probably later she understood, you know, maybe, maybe 10 or 12 days later, you know, and she's, uh, cause Jesus was around for 40 days after his resurrection. She goes, Jesus, who are the two guys? Oh, those were angels, Mary. Really? Oh my goodness. You know, so, uh, she didn't realize at the time that they were angels, but she was honored being the present. Now, why would angels be sitting in a tomb? I, that was a question I wrestled with. Why would angels be sitting in there? Now, I, I, I have what I think is a decent answer, you know. But we learn from Numbers chapter 19, verse 16, that if anybody touches a grave, Betty, you flip in there for me to just read it real quick. You grab that microphone. I didn't give it to you ahead of time. I'm sorry about that. 1916. All right, 1916. Also, anyone who in the open field touches one who has been slain with a sword or who has died naturally or a human bone or a grave shall be unclean for seven days. Okay. So, touching a grave... Where a, where a dead person has been buried or a tomb would make you unclean for seven days. So then I said, okay, it seems to me that the two angels there are important. It is a testament to the fact that that is not a grave. It is not a tomb anymore. It's been transformed. It is not a grave. It is not a place where the dead are. It is where the living are. Okay, so that's the first signal that something here is going on that is, well, not the first signal. The first is that the body's gone. But then you have two angels there, and angels would not be sitting where dead people are. Okay? So, so you have two angels there sitting at the, one at the head and the other at the feet. And I do really like the expositor's note here. In a sense, this represents the true mercy seat with the angels representing the cherubim. Okay? The angels sat, but the cherubim stood, for redemption was now accomplished. Okay? Obviously, these angels were princes, for the dignity and importance of the resurrection demanded the ministry of the highest angels. So, as the note here is saying, the angels are representing the fact that this is where mercy is found. The presence of God is here. The presence of God is here. And this is the true mercy seat where the mercy of God can be found for all who would believe in the resurrection. Hallelujah. It only is fitting that angels would be there. Angels announced the coming of Jesus. Angels ministered to Jesus in the wilderness. It's only fitting that angels are there to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And they, but then they, they engage Mary and say, Woman, why do you weep? In other words, it's a, they knew why she was weeping. Okay, so the, the angels knew why Mary was weeping. So, 
it's an opportunity for Mary to begin to tell what's going on inside of her heart. That's what the question is for. It's for Mary to have an opportunity to begin to express what's going on inside of her heart. She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid Him. Now, here I want to say that Mary represents in this scene the state of many Christians who would say, I just wish Jesus would be here physically. Okay? In other words, I meet Christians all the time who just wish that Jesus were here physically because they have this sense that if Jesus were physically among us again, then everything would be alright. And so it's like they're just, they're just walking around in a state of sorrow that Jesus is not here. And yes, we do anxiously await the second coming of our Lord. But Jesus did not say that, that we should be walking around just totally in despair that He's not here physically. He actually actually reminds us, uh, and, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, I'm, I'm coming here later, but he, he says that it's better that I am not here because when I go away, then I will send the Comforter to you. And that's actually who you need in this life. Because the Comforter can live inside. The Holy Spirit of God can live inside of every believer. But see, that's one of the reasons I think John put this in his Gospel is because Mary represents the fact that to have, to have the Lord physically there, there's, there's a, a sense that that would be more comforting than the actual comforter. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back. Now we're in verse 14. Okay? Now we're in verse 14. So here, in verse 14 to 18, is the first appearance of Jesus. And so right here starts the clock of uh, 40 days to ascension, and then ten days to Pentecost, okay? So now, so just in terms of overall picture, okay, this is a zoomed in account of the first appearance of Jesus, but, but, but this starts the clock of forty days. And then another ten days, okay? So we are in the first day of forty days, and Jesus appears to, appears many times over this forty days. Um, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to read that real quick, 3 to 7. Okay? This is, uh, this is Paul's statement. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, that how Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, meaning Peter, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, and but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Now, so Paul says that Jesus appeared many, many times, and actually the Scriptures record at least ten different appearances. And I'm not going to go, that's, that's not the purpose of this Bible study to go through all of them, but I, I just printed this chart 
it, you know, sometimes it's hard to put them all together, you know, and there's a lot of criticism out there about, oh, the, the accounts don't match up and things like that. Don't let that bother you in one bit, okay? Jesus appeared to many, first to, to Mary Magdalene, and then we have four of the accounts here in the Gospel of John. Uh, tomorrow we're, we're going to go to a, another one. Uh, where he appears to the to the disciples, uh, but he appears to uh, to the women. He appears to Simon Peter. Um, he appears on the road to Emmaus, the eleven minus Thomas, then to the eleven, including Thomas, um, the seven disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, um, disciples in large gathering at a mountain in Galilee, to James. Okay, which. Uh, we, that, that's the First Corinthians reference I just read. We don't have a a narrative account of that, but Paul states that that Jesus appeared apparently personally to James physically, and then uh, just to the disciples in general at the Mount of Olives just before the ascension. So, and most likely more times than that. Okay, but um, uh, but at least ten are referenced or recorded in the scriptures. Amen. So now let's get back to our scripture here and see um, kind of where we're at with how Jesus. So, uh, saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. So, one of the reasons she most likely didn't recognize Jesus was her state of shock again and just all the tears in her eyes. But also, he's in his glorified body. And, and she just and she didn't expect to see him and she may not have really been looking directly at him because she assumed that he's the gardener, right? Um and so Jesus said to her, Woman, why do you weep? So at this point, apparently, Mary doesn't recognize the voice of Jesus. Okay? Whom do you seek? So Jesus adds to the question of the angels. Okay? Why do you weep? Whom do you seek? Which is a normal question. She's there at, uh, you know, at a tomb. So obviously, she's there for, you know, for somebody. And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said, Sir... If you have borne him hence, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. So, so Mary wants to give him a proper burial. That she showed up with all extra spices and everything early in the morning, as uh, as Pastor Kyung taught us last week on Friday, and she was going to finish the the ritual process of of doing the spices and all of that, and honoring the body, and uh, and and it's sort of a uh, if you've ever uh, been to a funeral, you have that. You, you understand that sense of seeing the body gives closure in your in your heart to what has happened, you know. And so Mary is seeking to honor Jesus, and she's seeking to see the body one more time, and 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 to honor honor the body of Jesus, her Lord. And then Jesus says to her, Mary, and that's the way I picture him saying it, you know, because her response is I. It's a very personal encounter, in other words, is what I'm saying. And so that's how Jesus is with each one of us. You know, oftentimes when Jesus is trying to speak to us, we don't really understand it's Jesus at first. We don't, you know, it's it's not, it doesn't enter our hearts. We're, we're not really aware of that Jesus is trying to engage us. And I, and I kind of picture Jesus, you know, when Mary responds, you know, where's the body of Jesus? And Jesus goes, Mary. 
the body of Jesus is right in front of it, you know, sort of like a, um, you know, hello, Mary, uh, I know you're crying and weeping, wipe the tears away, you know, and, and try, kind of dry your eyes a little bit and, you know, Mary, and then, you know, and so it was a very personal encounter there where, and, and I believe that it shows the tenderness and the kindness of our Lord Jesus that He has for each one of us. And I believe that is why John, who was such a tender person, you know, he talks about laying on the breast of Jesus. You know, John is the apostle that doesn't just do the straightforward facts, you know, and, and just, you know, put it out there. He, he wrestles just with that personal tender part of it. And that's why he gives this account, I think, of Mary Magdalene. And Jesus just says, Mary. You know, in other words, I'm, I'm right here, Mary. It's okay, Mary. I'm, I'm right here. And Jesus is saying that to each one of you. I am right here. Now, he, he is with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's the Spirit of Jesus that lives inside of you. So he is just as close to us today by the Holy Spirit as he was physically to Mary. So I got to move along here because I have to get to uh, verses 17 and 18. So he said, Mary. And she turned herself and said, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. In other words, she just makes a declaration You are my Master. You're my Lord. I, I'm still following you. You know, what, what an amazing account there of the two of them just interacting. And then, so, verse 17 is uh, a matter of great debate. Uh, so many different opinions. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. Okay? And so, there's all kinds of, uh, of different theories that have been put out there about uh, why Jesus said this to Mary. And as I thought about it, prayed about it, I... I, I I'm not going to go through all the different theories. I'm thinking about the personal nature of this gospel, of this account that's presented. I really think that Jesus, you know, Mary, if she's wanting the body of Jesus, looking for it, he's finally there in front of her, and then there's that sense of she doesn't want to lose him again. You know, she doesn't want him to go away. She's, you know, she just found him again, and he's alive. And so Jesus simply says, well, it's not time for me to ascend yet. I'll still be here a little while, so, so you don't have to cling to me. I need you to go tell the guys that you saw me. Well, now that's an interesting statement because we found out later that when, when they did that, they didn't believe her. They thought she was crazy. And it's a very powerful thing that Jesus does for Mary because... Because uh, a woman's testimony was not valid in court during those days. And so I want to take a moment here to just say that our Lord Jesus asked a woman to be His first witness. And there's power in that. There's a lot of power. And Jesus is validating the fact that women has just as much of a place in the kingdom as men do. And I'm grateful that our Lord did that. And then he begins to talk about the ascension. And that's where I'm going to spend the rest of my time. Because that's, and it's just a few minutes here to finish up. But as you remember, uh, we're on a clock. Okay? Uh, Jesus is going to appear and give instruction to all his disciples, up to 500 or more, over the next 40 days. 
leading up to that moment where he ascends from the Mount of Olives. And as we know from Zechariah, what is it? Uh, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives and split it in two. But I can't. It, I didn't prepare to read that verse. It just came to 14. Zechariah 14. That's where he will also return. The place where where the, where the apostles watched him go up is the same place as he will return and his feet will touch the Mount of Olives and will split in two. Well, so Jesus says, Go and tell my brethren, I ascend, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father. Now remember, Jesus talks a lot in the Gospel of John about the family aspect. Father, referring to God as the Father and that we are part of that family thing. And He says, Now that the resurrection is accomplished, this is my Father and your Father as well. In other words, you are in the family of God. Remember, John starts his Gospel by referring to all those in Christ who believe in Jesus as children of God. Became, have the right to be called children of God. Now that right there is the power of the ascension. You know, the ascension, Pentecost gets a lot of, um, maybe not as much as it should, but it gets, uh, you know, the resurrection gets a lot of press. Uh, the, the, the crucifixion, the resurrection gets a lot of press. Pentecost maybe gets a little bit of press. On Ascension Sunday, I've heard very few sermons just on the value of the Ascension. So I'm just going to spend a few minutes because Jesus, Jesus points it out here. He said that's the next step. And so in His mind, I, I want to pay attention to that. In the mind of Christ, the Ascension is the next step. And He's already thinking towards that next step. So what is the value of the Ascension? Is, is the question that I had here. Um, and so I just had a couple things I, I, I wanted to share and then I'll, I'll close it up. Um, so it's important that Jesus is actually going to go and be with the Father, going to go be with God in His glorified body, physically in His glorified body. Okay? And, and I just have two scriptures that I want to read um, to, to say why the ascension, the actual physical ascension of Jesus is important. The first one is Hebrews 8, starting with verse 1. And I'm going to just read, I think it's four verses. Yeah, four verses. And all of Hebrews, can, uh, most of Hebrews, or this middle part of Hebrews, can be read and, and, and thought about in terms of the ascension and the value of Jesus being there with the Father. But let me read this uh sort of just as a highlight. Now, if the things which we have spoken, this is the sum, we have such a high priest. Okay, so he's speaking of Jesus as the high priest now, in the order of Melchizedek. Who is set, who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Okay, so, so Paul in Hebrews is stating that it is important that Jesus is at the right hand of God physically in the heavens. Okay? A minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer, 
For if He were on earth, okay, if He were on earth, He should not be a priest. Oh. In other words, the ascension is essential to us being able to live a life that is in the power of the Holy Spirit and have communion with the Godhead. If Jesus had remained on earth, then He would not be in heaven to minister as a high priest in the heavenlies on our behalf. So He has to be there. And He is ministering. And so when when God looks at Jesus and sees all those who believe in Him, He sees righteousness and redemption and faith. That's what He sees. He sees us hidden in the bosom of Jesus, sitting at the right hand of God. So, so humanity has a representative sitting with the Father in the heavenlies, which hasn't happened since Adam and Eve. So the ascension is essential because we now have a high priest ministering on our behalf, not in the shadow tabernacle, which was on earth, but in the true tabernacle, which is in heaven. Okay? So... Those of you who struggle with wanting Jesus to just be here physically, know that He needs to be there <laughs> on your behalf. He doesn't need to be here right now. The Holy Spirit is here for us. Jesus needs to be where He is. The second thing, and this is so encouraging, comes out of Romans 8.34, a uh, very famous passage and one that that uh, is just so encouraging to lean on all the time about what Jesus is doing for us. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died, yea, rather, who is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, referring to the ascension, who also makes intercession for us. Oh, hallelujah. In other words, Jesus knows that He needs to ascend. And so He tells Mary Magdalene, go and tell uh, the, the apostles, the disciples, that The ascension is coming. I'm moving towards the ascension. I'm moving towards going into the heavens on your behalf. That's the next stop on the clock. You don't have any idea what I'm talking about, and that's okay. But that's what's coming. So praise God. Aren't you grateful that you have Jesus in heaven right now? Aren't you grateful that He rose from the dead? Aren't you grateful that He's here whispering your voice just as He did to Mary saying, I'm right here. I haven't haven't left you. I'm sitting at the right hand. I'm interceding for you. And those of you who have not received the Holy Spirit, I don't encourage you to consider that you don't need Jesus physically with you to be happy, to have joy, to live the Christian life. He needs to be where He is. And Jesus knew that. And so that's why He immediately started talking about the ascension. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. Thank you for listening this morning. I hope you got some nuggets out of it. And I hope I did the Scripture justice. And we hope to see you tomorrow morning for Pastor Rick Bonfim to continue. Don't turn off this channel. Coming right after me, as soon as this goes off, is Pastor Rick on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So so stay tuned and listen this morning. And God will bless you. Amen. All right. Talk to you soon. Hallelujah.
Brilha a luz que é no meu viver. 